Welcome to Life, Lessons, and Laughter with your host, Glenn Ambrose. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is a bonus episode, and I'm excited to let you know that we were able to have Tony Collins on the show. So Ben's going to let you know all about Tony Collins so we get it exactly right. Awesome. So Tony Collins is a former Pro Bowl running back for the New England Patriots. He helped lead the team to their first Super Bowl appearance in 1985 at Super Bowl Twenty. He set the Patriots' single-game rushing record with 212 yards, which is still the record today, by the way. Um, and then due to injuries, uh, it led to a reliance on painkillers and down a path of drug abuse. Um, today, Tony is the founder of the Tony Collins Foundation and a motivational speaker, philanthropist, and author of the book Broken Road, Turning My Mess into a Message. And that's what he stopped by to talk about, uh, talk about his book and talk about your book and, um, right. and, uh, and his whole story. So it's a, it, it was really a lot of fun to get to, to meet him and talk to him. And Yeah. And I, I was able to meet him at my son's school up in Rhode Island. He had come to the school to do a talk for the kids. Um, and I heard his story and I was like, wow, like this guy, has been through a lot. He's overcome a lot. He's risen above and he really has a wonderful message. So, you know, that always stuck in my head. And of course I got his book that day and read it. And, um, I really was impressed with, with his story. And like I said, his mess, his message. And that's why I love the name of his book, turning a mess into a message. Um, that's just so, it's so perfect. And, uh, you know, he's all about being, responsible for your own life and making choices to better your life, which uh, I'm all about as well. So it's, it, it was great to be able to get him on and to, to be able to share his story. Absolutely. And then he ended up, uh, you know, also being a fan of, of your work and, and giving an endorsement for uh, your book, which is a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, if you're interested in uh, in Glenn's book, check out glennambrose.com. There's links for everything there. Um, we're getting very close to the launch date for the book, which is exciting. Absolutely. And, uh, and all of Tony's information can be found out at tonycollinsfoundation.org. Right. So check it out, and I guess at this point, we'll just fade right into the episode. Is that, does that sound about right, Ben? That sounds about right. All right, Ben's the producer. I got to check this stuff with him. So, all right, well, uh, stay tuned, check it out, and here it is. So we're here with Tony Collins, expatriate player. Now, I, I grew up in New England, so I'm a huge Patriots fan and have been my whole life. So this is a pretty exciting time for me. So welcome to the show, Tony. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and I, I also um, got to see you speak along with my son. We, we, we both went to see you uh, speak at his school in Rhode Island when we were up there. And I was really impressed with your talk, the message that you had, and and what you were doing with your life now. So I'm excited to, you know, speak with you one-on-one -on -one and really dive into it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, good, so, man. yeah, you, you wrote um, a book called um, Broken Road, Turning Your Mess into a Message. 
So can you tell us a little bit about that? And well, um, just give you a little little background on me. I'm, I was uh, actually born in Sanford, Florida, which is right near Orlando. And at a very young age, I think I was maybe not even one year one years old yet. We moved up to upstate New York, um, in a little small town called Pinyan, uh, about 50 miles south of Rochester. And it was 16 of us. And and I was number and I was number fifteen. <laughs> so uh, we we had a we had a we had a, a really big family, loving family. My mom and dad. We went to church every Sunday, and uh, I was raised that way. I mean, I, I had the best life uh, growing up as a kid because I had so much fun with all my brothers and all my sisters, and uh, I had this big dream. Um, um, all my brothers play football. Well, we all we all played all sports. We played basketball, baseball, ran track. We we played all sports, but we all we all love football. And all my brothers, all my older brothers, because I was I was the youngest. All my older brothers were, uh, you know, were you know, all, we all dreamed about you know going into the NFL, and um, you know watching some of them and some of the uh, different ways that they went and they and they didn't make it. You know, I was really kind of determined uh, to make it um, to to the NFL. And, and you know, I, I talk about um, that your words have power. And, and, and one of the things that, that you know, I, I went to my mom at a, at a really young age and I was like, uh, I think it was probably like nine or 10 years old playing Pop Warner football. And I, and I said to her, I said, Mom, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make it to the NFL just like that. And I didn't say <laughs> I wanted to make it. I said, I'm going to make it. But, you know, not not knowing what I was doing at the time, I was speaking my future into the present. Um, I, really right. that, I really believe that your words have power. And uh, so I went, got to high school, really did, did really well in high school and, you know, got the opportunity to uh, go to East Carolina University. Now, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> how 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 I got to East Carolina University, but uh, uh, I guess I, I guess if we got time, I, I can tell you about it because you know you know coming from a family of sixteen, I I've never been on the airplane before. You know you never get a, get to ride on the airplane. Oh, right, that, that many kids. So, so we I never rode on the airplane before, and uh, I got the opportunity to go to University of Florida my senior year in high school uh, for a visit. And um, uh, you, at, at in high school you get five official visits. And my fourth visit was to the University of Florida, the Gators. And I mean, that's big time football from oh, 1970, yeah. 1977, you know. <laughs> and I uh, went down there, man. Everything was fine. Uh, really loved the, the atmosphere, the players and the and coaches. And, you know, their colors were orange and blue. My high school colors were orange and blue. Okay, it's got to be a perfect fit, right? So uh, I, 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 at that time, you could sign a letter of intent. I signed my letter of intent to go to University of Florida. And so I get back home and uh, this guy th- that you probably heard of before named Pat Dye, who coached at Auburn, he was at East Carolina University at the time. And uh, he calls me up and he says to me, he said, we see you have another visit to take. We would like for you to come down to East Carolina University. Uh, so this is like like a week apart from going to Florida, being on the airplane for the first time. So my first question to him was, are you guys going to fly me down? And he says, yeah, we're going to fly you down. I said, I said, I was like, yeah, I'm coming, man. I can be, <laughs> I can be on the airplane for a second time, you know. Right. Uh, and had no intention of going to East Carolina University at all. I'm going to Florida. I just wanted to get on the airplane for the second time. And I got down here and um, got down to ECU and 
Pat Dye says two things to me. He says, son, if you come here, you'll get an opportunity to play, and you'll get an opportunity to play in the NFL. And when he spoke those words to me, uh, immediately it, it changed my whole outlook because at University of Florida, the, the coach, I can't even remember who, who the coach was at that time in 77, but he says to me, you know, we, we, we want you here, we want you, we want you to play, um, but we may redshirt you your freshman year because we've got a whole bunch of running backs right now, depending on how you do as a freshman. And so, and I, I was cool with that, but, but, Pat, I said you, you'll get opportunity to play, and you get opportunity to play in the NFL. And I, I man, I, that right there just changed. That my just mind. lit you right up, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it did, man. And that's why I talk about how, how his words, his words that he spoke to me, it, they really had power. And you know, I call, I call home and tell my mom and my dad and my brothers. Um, I don't, I don't want to go to Florida no more. I want to go to East Carolina University. It's like, are you crazy? <laughs> You choose East Carolina over Florida. And back then, East Carolina, man, it really, really, really wasn't on the map. I remember my father saying, I heard of North Carolina and I heard of South Carolina, but where in the hell is East Carolina? And so, uh, <laughs> but it, it all worked out. Uh, got the opportunity to come here and did very well my freshman year and played, played, played a little bit my freshman year and uh, my junior year. Um, I mean, we, we led the nation in rushing. Uh, we ran the wishbone, and you know, I, I was averaging maybe like seven point six yards of carry or something like Oof. that. And, yeah, we were we were killing it, man. We had a lot of great running backs, and and uh, just my senior year got the opportunity to get drafted, man. And you know, your, you know, your dreams come true, and got drafted in the second round by the New England Patriots, and uh, went on from there, and uh, just uh, everything was just everything was fantastic. I, I was living the life. Um, my rookie season. Um, Actually, my rookie season, and this is how it kind of really got really got started for me. I was they really drafted me to return kicks because I returned kicks when I was in uh, in college. Oh, so okay. uh, I, I was I was uh, I was third string on the depth chart for the Patriots in 1981. We weren't we weren't really a very good team but at, at the beginning of, of the season. I was I was third string. You know, I've never been third string before ever playing. <laughs> And, right, and and I really didn't plan on being third string for the for the for the Patriots either. Jake just didn't know it, but uh, you know I kept believing. Uh, I was first one on the field, last one off the field, first one in the in the weight room, last one out of the weight room. You know, getting the, getting the plays down, and you know just being prepared for my opportunity when it, when it came. Didn't know when it was going to come, but I was going to be prepared when it did. And so. Uh, I think I think like the second week of training camp, I had two guys ahead of me. It was Horace Ivy, who was the second string running back from Oklahoma, and uh, Vegas Ferguson. He was the first string running back from Notre Dame, and you know I was the third string running back from East Carolina University. So um, I think like the second week of training camp, Horace Horace Ivy he pulls a hamstring and he goes down, and uh, so now I move up to second string. So you know I'm still doing my thing and. I'm learning the plays, and last week at training camp, Vegas Ferguson uh, twists his ankle real bad, and he's out. And mm. So I get I get the opportunity to start the very first game. Um, back then, it was against the Baltimore Colts. Uh, I think I rushed for maybe 18 carries for 85, 90 yards or something like that. Had, had a few catches, and and you know I was off and running, man. I never gave wow. my back up. Uh, you know that's amazing. Yeah, the opportunity came, and I was I was prepared for it, and. uh 
I mean, you know, life was great. My second year there, I led, led the team in Russia. My third year, uh, made it to the Pro Bowl. Uh, and then my fourth year, in the beginning of the, of the season, in training time, actually, I, uh, I had cracked ribs. And, and I had the opportunity to – well, I had a, a decision I had to make, whether to sit down, which they told me that that's what I should do, or, or I could, you know, you know, keep keep playing with the with the cracked ribs and you know wear a vest and and start taking these painkillers. And um, I chose the latter. I started p- taking the painkillers, and um, you know, back then there was, I mean, everybody was doing it. You know, because you, you, you want to play, you stay on the field. And um, I'm taking painkillers in the beginning of practice, the end of practice, beginning of the game, at halftime, and, and you know, just getting cortisone shots in my in my side and you know numbing it up and you know after the game is over with man I'm in so much pain that I gotta you know I I gotta take all these painkillers just to go get to sleep and Mm -hmm. I actually got addicted to painkillers and and I was taking so many that it was actually tearing up my stomach and it it, you know you get nauseated and you know you you know you feel really bad but you keep taking these painkillers because you got to keep playing get you staying on the field and one of the guys on the team introduced me to marijuana and uh, they said, man, you smoke some marijuana to take the nauseaness away from you. And sure enough, it did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so now. Thanks, I'm, but I'm, yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah. I'm popping pills and, and and smoking marijuana at the same time, and it just it just one thing led to another, and you know, you when you get in that kind of atmosphere. You 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 start hanging out with people that you shouldn't hang out with. You start you know being places that you shouldn't be at. And, you know one of the things that my father used to always teach us was one of the keys of being successful was hanging around successful people. And I wasn't doing that. And and uh, it all came to a tumbling in uh, after the Super Bowl. After we went to the Super Bowl, um, a lot of things came out and and. A lot of guys, you know, were doing things like my, my my marijuana led to cocaine and you know smoking and all kinds of crazy stuff that we were doing uh, back then. And um, I got caught twice, and the second time that I actually got caught, um, which was probably then after two years after Super Bowl in '87, I think it was, um, the Patriots released me. You know, one of the, one of the saddest days of my life, you know, because of of the decision that I made. And I talk about this to the kids. You know, life the life you choose and the, and the decisions that you make is is going to be determined how how your life is going to turn out. And you know, I was making bad decisions, man. And you know, things started happening bad for me. And, and uh, got released. Um, I think maybe like a three days after after I got released, the Indianapolis coach they picked me up. Uh, you know, pick me up and, and sign me, and I, and I and I get to Indianapolis, and I'm on the phone. I'm I'm not, not on the phone. I'm I'm in the backfield with Eric Dickerson, and you know we, we <laughs> think we got a really good team going on, and and uh, so. But now here's the thing: before I, I I get to Indianapolis, I had to go to to New York and Pete Rozelle and, and meet the commissioner and everything. And he tells me, he says, you know, we don't want you to fail. And so we're going to we're going to drug test you every every single day, you know, before they're, you know, randomly drug testing us. Uh, so they let me know they're, they're going to drug test me every day. And I, and I already had, I've already got two strikes, but and I have one more strike that I'm going to get I'm going to get suspended for a whole entire year. So, you know, can't can't let that happen. So. Right. 
And so, uh, and, and I know I'm getting tested, so I'm not going to mess around. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to do anything to, to mess this up. Because, you know, everything is going real well. Um, I got motivated back again. It's, you know, I'm not smoking and, you know, not taking no painkillers. And, and everything is going really well. And got to training camp with Indy. And, uh, man, it, it was good. I was, I was really having a great camp. Uh, in the second, I think it's the third week of camp, um, there was a party. Um, one of the nights that we had a game and after the, after the game, you know, we had a little, there was a little party and I had a decision to make. I could either went back to my dorm, uh, you know, to my room or go to the party. And, you know, I was like, I'm, I'm going to go to the party. I'm, I know I'm not going to, you know, get high or anything like that. And I know there's going to be weeds and everything else going on there, but I got to take a drug test the very next day. So you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to mess this up. And so, um, get there to the party and sure enough they're smoking weed and doing other stuff and you know i'm just sitting back on the wall just killing and you know just admiring and admiring the view you know what i mean right so uh, so sure enough uh I, I did smoke went back got back to my dorm and uh woke up the next morning went out had you know took my test went out had practice wake up the next morning and uh, Ron Myers was the coach then, and he calls me in, in my office, calls me in his office, and he says to me, well, first of all, when he calls me in, I go in, and he's looking really, really sad. And I'm thinking somebody, something's going to happen to one of my family members or something. Like, What's wrong, coach? And he says, you know, you, you've been tested for the third time, positive for marijuana. I was like, uh, I, I didn't do it this time. But uh, not knowing at the time that, you know, secondhand smoke, I, I was in the room where everybody was smoking marijuana and it got in my system. And so um, I get suspended for, for for a whole entire year from the NFL because of a choice that I made to go to a party. If I went back to my dorm room, that would have never happened. <laughs> right. But, you know, it's a choice. That it's a, you know, life's all about choices that we make. And uh, I made the choice to go to the party and it kind of really changed my whole uh, life. I mean, it really did because it was when that happened, I, I was like, man, you know what? This is I, I'm, I'm, you know, so embarrassed uh, for my family and, you know, myself. And, you know, it, you know, I had two kids at the time and, you know, you just just, you know, you, you know, you think you're going to be suspended for a whole entire year. Everybody knows about it. It was just. Uh, man, it was it was a deep depression that you know I was going through, and set out that whole year. Came back, got signed by the Miami Dolphins, played one year with them, but you know my career was probably pretty much over because of um, my knees were kind of getting kind of bad then. I had played eight years, and and I, you know I just I retired. I stopped playing, and, and um, you know I went through probably like maybe like 18 years of depression, man. I, I you know, wow. going through different things, um, marriages and, uh, man, uh, you know, thoughts of suicide, even tried to try to do it a few times, commit suicide. And, uh, I, you know, it, it was just really, it, I was really in a dark place, you know, really, really, yeah. really bad place at, at that time. And, uh, really kind of living through my son. My son was getting older. He was getting ready to go, off to college to university of Pittsburgh. And I was really just trying to make sure that, you know, everything was right with him. But at the same time, you know, I was kind of like dying on the inside and uh, right. I got this, got this job working um, for some little company 
you know, I thought I was going to be working with kids or whatever, but I actually wasn't working with kids. I was on the phone talking to the parents of the kids and, and the, the kids were all over the country and I'm, I'm living in Florida. And when I got, I get a phone call, oh, I got to tell you about this too. So because you know, <laughs> it's, it's just crazy. It's about a choice, you know, it's really, it's life's about a choice. So I get to, I get to this job on the very first day, very first day on the job. And I think I'm going to be working with kids, but I'm not, I'm on the phone in this little, you know, little booth, you know, talking on the phone uh with with parents of, of these kids and and so lunchtime comes and uh and before lunchtime comes you know there's two other guys there's, there's a guy on the left of me and there's a guy on the right of me and and they, it was their first day there as well and man we're sitting there answering the phones and i'm talking to this one guy I said man when lunchtime comes i'm going to mcdonald's i ain't coming back you know <laughs> forget about this this is not this is not what i want to do answer answering phones all day so lunchtime comes they go to mcdonald's and <laughs> I get to McDonald's. I order number one, the Big Mac, order fries, and the high C drink. You know, I think that's still on the menu today. <laughs> it probably is. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it is. But uh, um, I I get my high. The lady gives me my high C drink, and I put my high C drink down in in, in in my cup holder. And I hear this voice, and, and it's just like I'm talking to you right now. And the voice says go back to the job and, and it kind of kind of shakes me up and I, I i i looked at i looked at the high seat drink again and i hear the i hear the voice again and go back to the job and it kind of it kind of scared me then but I, but i remembered i remember what my mom and my dad used to always tell us when you hear a voice that you you, you don't recognize and it's telling you something that you don't want to do it could be the voice of God. Now I don't, I can't sit here and tell you that it was the voice of God or not, but I know I heard a voice. <laughs> so right. I go back to the job. I actually go back to the job, and the and the and the guy that on the, that was on the right of me, he didn't come back. And so um, I'm sitting there answering my phone, and his phone, the guy who left, his phone is is ringing, and you know I don't even want to answer my phone. <laughs> um, but I but I make this choice to answer his phone. A choice. I make his I make this choice to answer his phone. And on the other end of the on the of the phone, there's this lady that's from San Antonio, Texas. I'm in Florida. And so we get on the phone and, and I actually ask the lady, you know, what's what's your son's name? He says, My son's name is Terrence Terrell. And I said, Ma, that sounds like a football name. And she says, Yeah, sound, yeah, my son plays football. And she starts bragging on her son. Well, you know, at the same time, I got a son going out, to, going to University of Pittsburgh. So, you know, I start bragging on my son, and we're going back and forth, bragging on our sons, you know, and everything. And, and yeah, uh, and then you know, you know, the the I don't know the 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 the, the man in me came out as far as you know. Start, and then I started flirting with her. <laughs> I said, <laughs> I said, I said, listen, I'm gonna give you my cell phone number, and I want you to call me back. Uh, at the end of the day, and uh, I didn't think she was gonna call me back or anything like that, you know. But you know, she did. She called me back, and we started talking, man. And and she, you know, she she did some research on me. So you know, she to I told her who I was and everything. She knew what you know some of the things that I've gone through. And then she started sending me all these great messages, uh, emails, and different things from T.D. Jakes and, and Joel Osteen, all kinds of uh, mm. positive messages. And, you know, we're, we're talking on the phone probably um, 
maybe almost a month. I, I, you know, never got a chance to see her. She sent me some pictures of her, uh, whatever. But, you know, I've never seen this lady before. But I actually fell in love with her over the phone because uh, uh, she changed my way of thinking, you know, for those 18 wow. years. Those 18 years that I was, you know, going in and out, you know, you know, you know, stay clean for a year, get high, stay clean for two years, get high, back and forth, back and forth. And, you know, really living a negative life. And she really changed my way of thinking because of what she did uh, every single day. We would we would talk every day and she would send me positive notes every day. Email. She was she, she would send that to me and she actually changed my way of thinking. And, uh, you know, as you know. And she's my wife today, actually. So, <laughs> so, so it kind of worked out. Yeah, it worked out perfectly. <laughs> I don't know how good it worked out for her, but it worked out very, very well for me. <laughs> but, uh, that's amazing. That's the, uh, yeah, man, it was, it was, it was, it was. Uh, you know, and that's why I talk to kids. You know, you know, one person. It only takes one person to to change your life. It only takes one choice to change your life. It only takes one decision. Uh, that that can actually change your life and so you know it, it's something that that i i love doing and and, and helping kids and, you know I, I really believe that uh god spared my life i i went through um like, like i said the thoughts of suicide you know overdose one time um and uh and, and i'm still living and, and i really mm-hmm. believe the reason that i'm living is for you know for me to share my story with other kids and other people it really i really wrote the book it was for the kids but you know i i see that not only the kids get a lot out of it but you know older people too because you know things that i've gone through and how god allowed me to live and to share the things uh, to other people and you know it gives them hope and understanding that man you, you know you can make it no, no matter how bad it gets and it got really bad for me mm. no matter how bad it gets you, you know there's 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 still a way out there's still possibilities but you just just need to change the way you think change the way you live change the way you do things and and you know life can definitely turn around for you yeah that's it and that's you know it's i can certainly relate to your story in the ways of of change, you know, because I mean, I, I, I kind of came at change the opposite direction. I think I had a, a, a lot of um, gifts and abilities at a young age and I just, I never attached to anything and, and I never accomplished really anything in my life. And I was turning 30 and I was really depressed because now all of a sudden I, you know, I'm looking around and I'm really understanding that I haven't done anything. Yeah. And, you know, and then which, you know, and I always drank too much and partied too much and, and that identity <laughs> wasn't really too cool anymore. You know, so, yeah, yeah. so there was no happiness inside. So I really, you know, went through my own series of trying to pull myself together, not finding happiness, diving back into drinking and drugs and then waking up, getting sober, you know, really finding God and through some spiritual awakenings through the process of getting sober. And then, and it's, you know, and my life has been different for the last 16, 17 years now, completely different. And it's, so, I mean, I, you know, I see, it's interesting because you had a lot of success early on and then, you know, dove into this. I dove into this, but we both ended up at the same place. You know, right, this, right. there's such a gift in being able to to change and do things. And I think if we're both out there, 
you know, giving this message to people, it paints a really good picture that it's exactly what you said. It's, it's making choices. It's deciding to do things differently and staying open to change and putting some energy and attention into changing your life. And you, you can do it. You know, it's people look at you now and you've got your book and, you know, talking to kids, you have your foundation, you know, you, you've got your life back and, and you're really a benefit to society. And a lot of people would look at, you know, point the finger and say, oh, Tony's lucky. You know, (laughs) well, you know, you're not really lucky. You you put some attention to it. You know, the same thing like um, when you were talking about preparing yourself uh, for when you got the call. You know, when you were playing football, you prepare, you prepared, and then when the call came, you were ready and you hopped on that opportunity. And I think same way it's you know if you stay open you put yourself in the right places around the right people make the right choices all of a sudden things start happening that are good for you and the people who aren't doing that point the finger and say oh they must be lucky like no you can do it too yeah i I think one i think one of the biggest things you know people think talk about opportunities man you got to get opportunities well I, I really believe that you you create your opportunities you know mm-hmm. by doing by doing the right things by by you know uh saying the right things and and, and thinking the right things and you, you you create opportunities opportunity opportunities do come and go but i i truly believe that you create them uh by what you do in your life yeah i couldn't agree with you more it's when when I was making bad choices, you know, I would swear that, you know, I was unlucky and there was no opportunities. <laughs> it's amazing yeah. how lucky you put in the work, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Oh. Well, that's your story is amazing. I mean, you know, it's 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 what. Uh, you know, I talk about a lot. It's it's just meeting people where they are. That's what I try to do with my podcast and my business is mm-hmm. just meet people where they are and say, okay, where do you want to go? Let's get you there. And right. it doesn't matter how many mistakes we've had in the past. It just takes one time to get it right. And our whole life is propelled towards a positive future. So yeah. I think that's, you know, it's amazing. And and you're doing more wonderful work, you know, as you carry on, of course. Now, are you still speaking to kids? Not, uh, not, not, not as much as I, I, as I used to. I'm really kind of focusing on the foundation. I, I, I run my foundation and we do a lot for my little home, my little hometown back in Pena, New York. Uh, helping helping kids helping kids there. One of the things that I, I want to do a lot is, you know, helping kids get the opportunity to go off to college. And you know, mm. uh, I think that's one of the uh, one of the biggest things now. Back in my hometown, where uh, believe it or not, I mean, I mean, my hometown is really really small, and they have a big epidemic epidemic of with with uh, heroin and, and okay, you know, different things like that. And but I really feel that, that the, if the kids get you know, can change their way of thinking at a young age. And that's where, you know, it, it's hard to, to, uh, to help someone. It's more, it's more, I say not hard, difficult, it's more difficult to help someone when they're already out there uh, doing drugs. But if you, right. catch them, if you catch them before, 
Uh, I think that's one of the things that we, is, you know, we call prevention. And I think that's one of the things where, where I want to do is, you know, let the kids know, um, you know, what, what I went through, you know, you can get, you know, you guys don't have to go through that, man. You know, you can, you can make good, good, good choices and make good decisions and go off to college and get a good education and, you know, come back and, you know, and work and make a whole lot of money and you do whatever you want. You don't got to go the route that, you know, that, that I went or, the, you know, the route that you went, you don't have to do that. And I, and I really believe just like, you know, like I said before, and, and with you too, as well, you know, you know, at any point in our lives, man, we, we, we should have been dead, you know, we you know, <laughs> yeah. drug, drugging and drinking, you know, there's no telling. Uh, there were so many incidents, and in, you know, I put it in my book where, I, you know, I should have been dead. I mean, I really, really should have been dead, but I'm not. And so, right. Why, why? And, and then you you read about other people, you know, some some guys, very first time doing drugs, they overdose and they, they die. It's yeah. Like, why? <laughs> why? Why am I? Why am I still alive? You know. So. And that's, yeah. That's one of the things that you know I I, I really take that kind of kind of to my heart where you know god spared my life for a reason so it's something that i i need to do and you know and i just love helping kids i love helping people you know so yeah and i think i think you're right i and there would there was lots of situations that you know again your story in a lot of ways mimics mine because it's i grew up in a small town in massachusetts and um you know and there's drug issues in the town i grew up with in now and it's you know i think the i think a big piece of it which you're addressing with your foundation is the hope you know mm-hmm. because i mean when you're when you're a kid and all you see is people around you unhappy, not doing things with their life, doing drugs, you know, especially the kids that are just a little bit older than you going down that path. And a lot of people are doing it. And that's really most of what you see. It's hard to stay positive. Right. Right. You know, it's hard to have hope for something different than what you're seeing in front of you. So, you know, it's with your message, I'm sure that, you know, that's going to help those kids in that, town really be like okay wait a minute here's a guy that actually accomplished some amazing stuff and he's telling me i can do it too Mm -hmm. you know that's that's powerful to to kids to plant that seed and give them that hope that they they are in control of their future based on what they do not based on their environment right so that's beautiful stuff um all right (laughs) yeah that's that's basically it. So, here. Yeah. <laughs> so um, before we before we go, uh, Tony, I just wanted to um, give you a chance to let people know where to uh, find out more about the foundation, how they can help out with the foundation, where they can find your book and, and all of that stuff. It's Tony Collins Foundation dot org. Uh, you can go to that website. Uh, you can message me on that on that website as well. Uh, you can make donations on that website as well. Um, you, 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 you message me and, and, and I'll give you the uh, information about, about trying to, if you want to get a book, you can also get a book from going to that foundation as well. Look at that. <laughs> it's easy. In one spot. Yeah. One spot. <laughs> That's the way to do Foundation.org. Awesome. Thank you so much. Tony. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you guys great. For me. Yeah, yeah, it's it was um, you know, it was just as 
inspiring as when I heard you speaking with my son. So, uh, <laughs> so I appreciate you coming on. We don't have too many guests on this show, so it's you know it's just a special honor to have you on. So I really appreciate it. No problem, man. Anytime you guys want me on, just let me know. I'll come on. All right. Thanks a lot, Tony. Best wishes to you. Uh, Yeah, God bless. Keep doing what you're doing. Yes, sir. All right. Bye-bye. Glenn is available for life coaching sessions. To book an appointment or for more information, go to glennambrose.com, follow him on Facebook and Twitter, or click the link in the description of this episode.